Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. When it comes to mental health services in Northumberland, there are a number of options. These can range from private psychologists and psychiatrists to walk-in clinics and helplines. More than a year ago, Northumberland Community Counseling Centre shut its doors. It offered programs that served nearly 1,000 people annually. Many of the programs were free or at a low cost. Some of those services were transferred to other agencies, but a gap still existed. That is when the Community Counseling Resource Centre from Peterborough stepped up, offering in-person and remote counseling on the same basis. Kirsten Armbrust, The executive director is going to give us an update along with a glimpse of what her organization is planning for the upcoming year. Also, Susan Simoji-Wells, chief executive officer for Family Services Ontario, will give a broader picture of these services and the gaps many communities like Northumberland are facing across the province. I'm so pleased to have with me today Kirsten Armbrust, Executive Director of Community Counseling Resource Centre in Peterborough, and Susan Samoji-Wells, Chief Executive Officer for Family Services Ontario. Both of you, welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you. Thanks. Kirsten, it's been a little over a year since we last spoke. And that was when the Peterborough Community Counseling Resource Center set up in Coburg, just after the Northumberland Community Counseling Center was closed. So let's start with some basics. When we last spoke, there was going to be one person offering services either in person or remotely. Is that still the case or has it expanded? No, that's still the case. So we do have uh, one person and she's doing a blend of in-person and virtual. So she's doing her in-person sessions uh, through Watton, out, out of Watton Employment Office and then uh, virtually from home as well for those that require it. How many people are you serving currently? Oh, I don't know that I have a, a number right off the top of my head, um, but uh Currently, we have a very small wait list, so we're able to see, you know, um, everybody that's pretty much everybody that's calling in. We do actually have some folks that, for whatever reason, prefer to be seen in our Peterborough office, you know, maybe due to their employment or depending on where they live in the county. So we're able to offer that as well. And it also gives us the option of having different counselors if there's a need for that, because, you know, sometimes... For example, maybe it's two parts of a couple that both want counseling, but they don't want to see the same person. So they we have the option of um, using some of our Peterborough folks uh, for those kinds of situations, which really provides more flexibility. Before uh, the closing of the Northumberland Community Counseling Centre, they were serving about a thousand people. Is that anywhere near the number that you're serving? No, no, <laughs> definitely not. They had had quite a few um, more staff than we did, and they also had... Uh, different funding streams. So 
um, you know, they had some provincial funding and right now we're relying on a United Way funding. And actually this year we were able to secure some funding from the county of Northumberland, which has been great to try to diversify. But um, yeah, we, we wouldn't be anywhere near those levels. But you also have to remember that some of the provincial funding um, other agencies are able to pick that up. So those folks are still getting served just through not from us. For people who might not remember, there were many types of counseling services offered by various agencies and institutions. Can you just go over for us, what are the services that you're offering people in Northumberland County? So what we're doing is we're providing generalized counseling for mild to moderate mental health concerns for adults 18 plus. So we don't uh, provide primary treatment for serious mental health issues. We don't have access to psychiatry or psychology. So we're, we're really picking up the mild to moderate. So that might look like um, someone who has some concerns around anxiety or depression, someone um, with relationship issues, grief, loss, uh, those kinds of things. So I often refer to us as you know the GPs of the of the counseling world so we're able to you know kind of see people that are presenting with a lot of different issues uh, we follow a short to midterm model which usually means around six to twelve sessions although you know there is some flexibility depending on need and then the other thing is we do have some specialized funding for men who've experienced sexual abuse so we have some specialized funding I should have mentioned uh, that earlier actually so that is a bit of provincial funding for that particular um demographic so we're able to provide that as well how does this all fit into the overall context of mental health services within the county you mentioned you were the gps but what mm -hmm. what does that mean in terms of the other types of services that are being offered and how, how do you sort of fit into that overall picture so I like to think that we kind of we fill some of the gaps. So, um, you know, the hospital in Northumberland, you know, has services for uh, people with uh, perhaps moderate to more serious mental health issues so that people are able to get service there. I believe they have a walk in uh, center as well. So the, the single session quick access. Um, there's probably a lot of folks that are seen through family health teams if they have a doctor, but there, of course, there's a lot of unattached patients as well, so they wouldn't have access to counseling. So that's somewhere that we might fit in. So I think that uh, CCRC and probably, you know, family service agencies in general are often the places who fill the gaps. So somebody who maybe doesn't fit into one of these other, um, you know, specific groups, they're able to come for counseling with us. Now, initially, I know you mentioned this earlier in our conversation, that the United Way supplied some initial funding at the beginning. Mm -hmm. How is the funding going? You've mentioned a couple of different streams, and could you just paint a clearer picture for us of where the monies are coming from and how much it is and what that means to the services that we're getting? Yeah, so we're at, I think I would say that we're at the, the point where we're building. So we started really with, um, so we've just entered really our second year of providing services. So the first year, we primarily had the United Way funding, you know, a little bit from the men's sexual abuse program, a little bit of fees, you know, a little bit of donations, not a whole lot. Um, so that was, we were reliant on that. And as we came into the second year was really the point where we tried to diversify. We really wanted to see you know, was this a one year situation with United Way? Was it where we're going to be supported ongoing? And, you know, at that point to think about, you know, how we might diversify and bring some other partners in. And that's where uh, we were able to reach out to uh, the municipality of or the 
you know, Northumberland Township, the county, who are able to provide some services. I should also say we received a grant from CAMCO for mental health. So that's, um, you know, been helpful to, to add. And now we're at the point where we're really trying to, to, con to, to sorry, to continue to build and hopefully develop long-term relationships um, with the county and, um, you know, continue with United Way, do some fundraising, do some different things. But I think we really wanted to take a year to see, you know, how is it going to go? Are, you know, are, are we here for a year or are we here for a long time? So we're, so now that we're into our second year, you know, we're feeling like, okay, yeah, we're, we're here and uh, we're, we're going to continue to grow and try to serve as many people as we can. Financing was a huge problem for the Northumberland Community Counseling Center. Mm -hmm. Do you feel, are you optimistic that what you're going into now is sustainable? That it's not just as a, a, a one-off as you were referring to. How how sustainable does it feel to you? I think it is. I think the difference, um, you know, that that is important is with um, NCCC because they were they were a small, like a, a small shop in in one county, and you know it makes it difficult. There's a you know there's an economy of scale when you have a bigger organization. It's easier to be sustainable. So you know I'm the executive director. So, you know, I, I'm able to, to build other programs. NCCC had to have their own executive director. You know, we have a finance manager already and she's able to support the programs in Northumberland. You know, so all of those roles that don't necessarily, you know, add exponentially the amount of work when, when you bring in funding. So I feel that we are able to offer a sustainable uh, program. And CCRC has been around since 1956. So, you know, we've been around for a long time. We've gone through a lot of different, you know, iterations over that time, but counseling has always been one of our core services. So we're very, you know, well versed in counseling. We have good relationships with our funders, and I think we're able to leverage those relationships and that experience into our work in Northumberland. Partnerships, I know, are a big part of this model, and you've already referred to a partnership with the Northumberland County, and I think you mentioned Chemical as well. Have you been able to form any other partnerships with other mental health services or other providers? And could you tell us a bit about that? Well, I think the great thing is that a lot of organizations that uh, serve Peterborough also serve Northumberland. So some of those relationships were already developed. Like there's a CMHA, the New Canadian Centre, Worth of Sexual Assault, Forecast. Those are all organizations that um, provide service in Peterborough and we already had strong relationships with. So that's been really great. And then I've also, you know, since in the past year, spent some time getting to know, you know, some of the organizations, uh, the leadership that are, are more central to Northumberland. So making some of those connections with places like Rebound, you know, Transition House, um, you know, diff uh, the the hospital, um, the Coburg Hospital or Northumberland Hills Hospital, I should say, would be that would be the correct terminology. So that's something that I've been, um, you know, working on over the past year and will continue. But I think we are really lucky in that a lot of organizations already span several counties. So you're really not starting from, you know, a place where you're having to get to know everybody all over again. Some of those relationships were already there, which is great. You offer a wide array of, of services in Peterborough, housing, community service placement, domestic abuse, and so on. Are there any plans to extend similar services to Northumberland? I would, well, first of all, I should uh, make a correction in that the community service order program just closed at the end of March. And that was um, a provincial decision to bring it into a more of a regional model. And it was a very small part of our services anyways. 
So at this time, we haven't looked into it too much. Uh, we do have housing services, but I think that some of that is already being done in Northumberland by the Housing Help Centre and uh, the Legal Centre. So I know that there's some some crossover. So we certainly don't want to come in, you know, and try to duplicate or, or bring programs in that are already functioning very well. So that's where we're more trying to to, to fill the gaps and we really see the 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 counseling for the mild to moderate mental health concerns as one of the gaps so that's where we're focusing our energy right now not to say that things might not change in the future but for now i think that's the that needs to be where our focus is yes because I, I remember the northumberland community counseling center offered uh, violence against women clinical counseling they uh, offered enhanced child witness program now all that's with the cornerstone family violence prevention center is there any talk of those services or similar ones coming back to your organization? Well, it hasn't been spoken about specifically, but it's not to say that if we, you know, had a woman who, um, you know, called us looking for counseling, you know, with violence in her past, it's, it's we wouldn't be turning her away. That's some, because of our funding, you know, through United Way and through the municipality is quite flexible. We're able to see a variety of needs. Um, so there's, I wouldn't say there's talk about doing that specifically, but family service agencies, you know, our model is, is, you know, if, if you fit our service, you know, you're welcome. Uh, we don't see children. So I don't think in Northumberland and we wouldn't be doing the, the child witness programming, but we, you know, if there was a woman who was presenting with those issues, I think she would certainly fit into some of our other funding streams. Susan, I'd like to bring you into the conversation now. I'd like to ask you, the closing of the Northumberland Community Counseling Centre was just one of several recent closures, and I understand that there were others. Can you tell me about those other closures? Sure. We had a the Catholic Family Service in uh, Thunder Bay, that agency, um, closed their doors last year, and then Catholic Family Services in uh, Hamilton also closed their office just this past month. Now, how long had those uh, services been around for? Well, in Hamilton, they had existed for 75 years. And um, I'm not sure how long the agency in Thunder Bay actually had existed. What was the impact on the community once those services were removed? We know what it's like here in Northumberland, but what was it like elsewhere? I think it's a very similar story. I, when the services become divided up, there's, of course, the risk of, as, as Kirsten had talked about, losing those economies of scale. So our agencies are piecemeal together through some government funded, through charities. And with that, we're able to serve more and more of those people that fall through the gaps in care. The people that don't have eligibility or they don't qualify for some of the other services or um, maybe they don't see themselves as fitting into those other services. Perhaps they don't define themselves as having a mental issue, mental health issue, or they don't see themselves as being abused. So they might not choose a service that is defined as that. So because we offer general and generic mental health for low, uh, moderate, uh, low to moderate mental health issues, and, and counseling for whatever reason people come to our, our doors outside of the serious mental health, um, then I think it's just, it, it, we lose a richness of, of those services within, that, within the community where it is just so easy to access our services. 
And that's one of the concerns, as well as without those economies of scale, um, if we don't have those charitable dollars or for some of our organizations that have what we call earned revenue because we have social enterprise. So where some people are paying for service that supports other people who don't have the means to pay. Those are the pieces that are lost, even though the government funded programs are picked up elsewhere. What were the reasons for the other closures? I, I can't say that I understand completely because I'm not privy to that information. And I think each is, is unique. Um, certainly our agencies are struggling with staffing. Uh, over the pandemic, agencies have lost a lot of um, charitable revenue, of course, because events and things that would have supported our services didn't occur. So funding is always a challenge. And when in, the costs are continuing to increase as they have over the, uh, the pandemic, the staffing issues, um, those kinds of things putting pressure on organizations just to make it unsustainable. Were there other agencies or organizations that were able to step in, similar to what uh, Kirsten and her organization was able to do in Northumberland? Yes, we were, are very fortunate that we have another family service agency in Thunder Bay that's a larger organization, had greater economies of scale, and they were able to uh, support and take on some of those uh, the clients that weren't served. And eventually they received one of the major programs through the uh, province that the other agency had used. And then in Hamilton, um, another organization came forward and is able to pick up uh, most of the services. We're still, uh, certainly the government funded services, still waiting to see it's very new, what will happen with all the, the array of programs that they had. There is a long history of family service centers in Ontario. Can you tell us about these, the history of these and the types of service and what makes a family service center different than other things? We've alluded to a couple of it, but if you could really define, so when we hear that term family service centers, we understand it better. It's a difficult thing to understand for sure. We are complex across the province. Our agencies, many of them started very grassroots with a group of concerned citizens. Often there was charities that supported um, some of our earliest um, organizations, the ones that have been around the longest, uh, you know, responded during the Spanish flu, trying to support families, um, women with childcare, uh, with just whatever people needed that uh, they were challenged with. One of the core aspects of family service agencies is that we are we provide family focused interventions. So it's not just um treating an individual, but we treat them in the context of their families, um, the community, ensuring that they have strong support systems and meaningful relationships, because we believe that that's a pillar to mental health and, and well-being. And that is what defines family service agencies across the province, is in addition to our individual counseling, we're providing couple and family-based counseling. In a recent opinion piece, you argued that this is a cost-effective way to provide help to people in need. Could you elaborate on what you meant by that? Well, again, I think it goes back to what Kirsten talked about is the economies of scale when we have all of these different programs. Uh, as well, I, I, I do believe the, the couple and family is an effective solution because if we're only working with an individual um, without understanding and, and ensuring that the, the family system can support their health and well-being, 
I don't, I, I believe it's not optimal in terms of outcomes. So when you have effective solutions, we are also um, across the province, we operate very lean. And that's been, you know, survival. <laughs> We've had to learn how to do that. And so we've become very businesslike and cost effective. Um, and again, I think because of the way that we operate, where people can come regardless of, you know, what their circumstances um, and can quickly work through the different programs in our system. I think there's a lots of economies of scale and, and effective and efficiencies that uh, can occur with those with the way we operate. In Northumberland, we have many services that provide mental health, but there's also, these are not standalone issues. Mental health is not, never is really alone. I mean, the housing, poverty, legal issues, family violence, there's all these different things that contribute. Is there still a need for family service organizations or is it more of, you know, you go here for this and you go here for that? It's sort of the one-stop versus the, the multi-tentacled approach that we we see in communities. How do we address that? Family service agencies are known for collaborating with other um, providers. And, and Kirsten talked about the relationships that she has in her community. And so I, I think that we address that by continuing to work within each community, collaborating. Family Service Ontario, our, our tagline is we're stronger together and we live by that. And I know that our agencies do. I think that each community has a unique need and, and you know, culture and the programs within the community has to happen at that community level to ensure that they make sense. And we look at it. It's similar to the fact that we operate with a whole bunch of different um, technology platforms. We're never going to get all into one technology platform. We have to understand how to interface between them. And I think that's what agencies are doing on the ground. How do we ensure we're working together the best that we can, collaborating and providing a seamless and streamlined uh, interventions for, for couples and families? Because I think each partner plays a role. In your opinion piece, you argue for more funding. You also say salaries are lagging. Why do you see it as a provincial government's role to pay for these services? Aren't these supposed to be self-sustaining? I think that similar to other uh, services such as health, it really, um, in the end, when we aren't intervening and ideally intervening early, and our services are an early intervention, it does cost the province more in other ways. And so the more that we can support people in being um, in being their best selves and in living in the community and healthy relationships and being able to contribute, I think uh, that there's economic and, and social benefit to our entire province for that. Kristen, I'd like to ask you also about this, because how, what role do you see on the ground as a frontline person? What role does the provincial government play in funding what you do? And are things like salaries lagging? Are there other gaps in funding that you see? Could you talk a bit about that for us? Yeah, I mean, I think like Susan said, there's certainly lots of other services that, you know, the, the province funds consistently. You know, she mentioned health and there's other things. And I do think 
I do think it's a role of uh, the province to consider that mental health is part of health. And the other piece around that is when there's early intervention, when somebody can be seen, you know, who's maybe having, just as an example, a mild depression if they can be seen by a counselor who's skilled in, in treating that maybe they're seen for you know six or ten sessions they're feeling better you know they've they've managed to you know maintain their employment their relationships all of those things ultimately that's going to be much more cost effective in the grander scale than someone who's not able to access those services perhaps they end up losing their job perhaps they need to go on Ontario works perhaps housing becomes an issue so I think it's really important to understand mental health in the context of part of the whole system of health and and realize that you know funding an early intervention with somebody can really um, be much more cost effective in in the long run than some of the impacts that if that person had not received help that they might be facing as we all know that you know attending emergency rooms for example are going to be uh, you know a lot more expensive if you're having a mental health crisis than if you were able to have a few sessions with a you know qualified master's level counselor when you were starting to you know have some difficulties so i think I think that's important to see it in the larger context. Susan, is the provincial government recognizing the value of family service centers within this um, whole realm or this umbrella of mental health services? I, I do believe that they recognize the value, absolutely. And and um, I, I think that it's just that change is complex, right? And and there's often unintended consequences. And of course, there's limited funds, you know, available and uh, and and a lot of need. So how we fix this? One of the other challenges that family service agencies have is there's no ministry responsible for families. So it's that our work doesn't align perfectly with any ministry. Yes, we do some some health, so we align with Ministry of Health, and we do you know children, community, social services. We have some of our programs, like our Violence Against Women programs, for example, that fit under that. We have our some of our justice programs uh, under the Ministry of Attorney General. So we have bits and pieces everywhere. But where family fits into that, couples and families, then you know that's where the gap happens. So I think there is a value, but it's complicated to solve. If I'm just an everyday person, I'm sitting at home and I have a mental health issue with all these different layers and levels of treatment and different services, you know, one's for family, one's for kids, one's for really serious mental health. How do I make a decision about who do I pick up the phone and call when all it, it's like this? How, how do we help the community? Susan, maybe you could address this first and I'll I'll come to Kristen next. How do we, how does an everyday person sort this out so that they make one call and they get the service and the help that they need right away? Wow. I'm going to tell you that I, I know that this is something that our government is interested in ensuring that this is the case and something that they're working on to solve. But at this point in time, as agencies in the communities, you know, people talk about no wrong door. So it might not take one call, but we want to ensure that services are accessible and that we can provide warm handoffs and help people sort through what those options are. Kristen, how do you, does your group handle this, this issue of complexity and, you know, the one-stop access? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, to further what Susan was saying, you know, maybe it 
it's not always just one call, but our, so we have a dedicated intake worker. She works out of the Peterborough office and she does most of her uh, service on the phone for our Peterborough and our Northumberland clients. So our Northumberland client, clients are getting the exact same intake experience that our Peterborough clients are. She's a social worker. She's trained. She's trained in single session counseling. So she's able to, you know, at that first call, you know, have a conversation, see if she can provide some, you know, immediate intervention that might help in the short term. And she has a really, um, you know, because we have a dedicated intake worker, she has a, a very thorough understanding of what the services are in the community should a person um, not meet our services. And again, since there's in since there's so many places in Peterborough and Northumberland that cross, you know, she'd already had a lot of uh, a lot of that information, those relationships already. Like if somebody called, um, you know, presenting with addiction issues, she already knew that, you know, forecast provided services in both communities, you know, just as an example. So I think that even I think that um, perhaps, you know, one call isn't always the goal. But I think we need to remember that if somebody makes a call, they're not leave, they're not left with nothing. So that first call that they make, maybe it's to us and maybe they don't end up becoming an ongoing client, but maybe they've just learned, you know, there's a, another agency that very specifically could address their needs, or maybe they got a strategy right there in that first call that makes them feel, you know, more competent to, you know, move forward with whatever issue it is that they're describing. Maybe they need to make another call, but I think the idea is that, um, they from that first initial interaction, they're getting support and they're getting some some help right off the bat. Going forward, Kirsten, what do can we expect to see over the next year? Well, I hope that uh, you know we continue to grow our services. We're we're still uh, on the lookout for a more permanent location, so we're hoping to have a, a more permanent spot. We've been very grateful to be able to provide services out of Watton Employment, but we know that we you know we're hoping for something more permanent uh, going forward. Now that we know that we're you know going to remain in the community, um, and uh, yeah, we just hope to keep building and see as many people as we can. Kirsten Armbrust, Susan Simoji Wells, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you for having Thanks. us. Thank you, Robert. That was Kirsten Armbrust, Executive Director for Community Counseling Resource Center in Peterborough, and Susan Simoji Wells, Chief Executive Officer for Family Services Ontario. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share.
And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.